This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. Um, a uh, Well, it's been a long time since we've had a midweek podcast, to be honest with you. And we know we picked up a, a number of new listeners over time. So for anyone who's relatively new, uh, anytime we have a midweek match, we always do a, a midweek pod. So you'll find a podcast on the Monday as well as your regular Friday pod. So if anything, you get two for the price of one, and even though you're, you're not paying anything. Um, but yeah, in theory, Monday does tend to be a little bit shorter, but Dan doesn't stop talking, so uh, it could well be longer than the Friday pods. We, we, uh, we will certainly see. Um, Dan, how's your day been, mate? I think you've been working. The cheek of you. <laughs> Me talking? <laughs> Never. Um, yes, I've, I'm, I'm, I have a good day, thank you. I'm all right. Um, yeah, looking forward to uh, getting... Getting into the nitty gritty of uh, that whole performance, and hopefully very swiftly moving on to Huddersfield. <laughs> yeah, well, I must admit, even Radio Stoke was saying that you know, for those who listened to the to the game, uh, wasn't really much to talk about, and they kind of just talked about Vale and Crew. Uh, so it says how eventful that game was. So yeah, we'll we'll have a, a bit of a chat, um, but we won't kind of dwell on it for too long. I know again, there's been some fans' questions and stuff. So um, before I get onto that though, I've just come out of the cinema. Um, as I'm sure, well, you know, Dan, uh, I've just seen The Whale by Brendan Fraser. I'm not sure if you've heard of it or anything like that, mate, but um, yeah, proper tearjerker. A brilliant performance by Brendan Fraser, mate. Absolutely incredible. Like, whatever you've ever seen of him, you've never seen him like that. So um, if you want a bit of a tearjerker, you know, take the missus with you or, or whatever. Um, Nadine was crying her heart out in the cinema. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's been an interesting day. But um, speaking of crying, uh, we we'll talk about the whole game, shall we? So a bit of a board draw. Um, I mean, I know, Dan, you, you went to this one. I mean, obviously we headed into the game really maybe looking at the next three games, you know, Hull, Huddersfield and, and of course, Blackpool is three probably quite big games for us to, to, to kind of pull away from the relegation zone, if you like. So, um, I mean, you went to the match. What, what did you think? Because a, a lot of fans weren't exactly very complimentary after the after the full-time whistle, to be honest. Well, a bit like Nadine, we would have been crying out for some positivity. <laughs> if she was crying in the film, instead we're crying out for so, it's crying out for some creativity, should I say. Um yeah, they they, start, they started well. They pressed high. I say they started well. They um, they, were, they had Hull sort of pegged back a lot, but then you could see Hull was sort of knocking it around the back, and then quite happy to sort of 
suck us in on, on the press and then just quickly move the ball forward over the top. And I mean, I've seen a lot of, I mean, and that probably reflects what Alex now. Alex Neal said quite quite a little bit to be honest, and he's he's always very positive in, in his press conferences. But I know, I mean, if we take actually back to even maybe before before the game, I mean, you know, the team sheet came out at around two o'clock, and me and you were on the phone with each other, weren't we? Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we were talking about the the fixture, you know, the fixture, and obviously who's going to be coming up, etc. And I, obviously, the the elephants in the room were, of course, you know, no sight of of Baker and Selena. Uh, I mean. We, we can all probably admit that Baker has not been the Baker that we had from last year. Uh, I think everyone will be um, admitting that. I'm sure Baker himself would say he hasn't been. But um, I think we both kind of acknowledge that that midfield was a very defensive midfield. And we kind of said that, you know, it lacked a lot of flair on paper. Uh, maybe Loren was the only player that you could probably say was going to actually go and create anything. So, um I mean, you mentioned about you know pegging them back and and whatnot. Did did we ever really look threatening? Because from what I kind of saw, it, it again it seemed to be a little bit of a non-event where we didn't really create much. To be fair, they've got they've got two wide players in in Sterling and Hoover who were keen to get forward um, with with varying degrees of success. Let's be honest. But they were they were looking to get forward, um, especially early doors. I think Hoover, you know, Henry, uh, sort of tired as, as the match went on. Um, but I think, and obviously, I, I suppose Smallbone, to be honest, is quite an quite an attacking player. I mean, out of all the midfielders we've got, he's probably the one who's naturally there to to be creative and, and provide a spark. And he was in that team, wasn't he? So you know, it's not yeah. as if we were missing. Yeah, I think if you'd have put maybe Baker, Loren, and Thompson, that's probably the most defensive we could go. Um, so he did have small bone. Loren, like I say, is charging around. He's in a good form, and Thompson sort of, sort of tries to be a bit of a playmaker from the back, doesn't he? So um, yeah. I'm not. I understand what people are thinking without Baker there, but at the same time, it's like people have been saying, have been complaining about his form, complaining about him, uh, his performances, and saying you know, he needs to be dropped to that. And then as soon as he is, the same people then. And on literally straight away before we even kicked off, people were complaining. Why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? I'm like, oh, hang on. I thought you wanted him dropped, and then he is dropped, and they're complaining that he's been dropped. It's like Alex Neal can't win. Um, Do you think though that it was more of a problem that Selena was dropped because you know he's we, we saw him in obviously let's be honest again we haven't exactly seen a lot of him but what we've seen of him is you know he's a bit of a I don't know, in in the mould of a, a Powell, um, you know, a maybe a Shakiri type, you know, tricky midfielder, someone who can play in a different, few different positions. Do you think it was more the case that, you know, he's, he's, in people people's eyes, maybe he's given up on Selena? Obviously, he hasn't given up on Selena, of course. But, you know, why would you drop Baker and Selena um, for Smallbone, who admittedly, I will hold my hands up, he has been much better of late. But wouldn't you rather have Selena, who's got a point to prove? Um, has got a you know by the looks of it, an eye for a pass and um, a bit of flair over a small bone, who, for large parts, has still been quite average. W- w- did you think that was more the problem? It was actually about Selena, not Baker. Um, possibly, yeah. I think, I think possibly people were a bit upset that Selena wasn't playing. It was shocked me that he wasn't. Um, mm. Trying to play sort of devil's advocate with it. I mean, we've got two games in four four days, and. We haven't really got many options, have we? Let's be honest. <laughs> um, 
what, what you're saying there, though, to me, mate, is that we were ready to just basically not lose. If I mean, I put, I'm not putting words in your mouth. If you if you're not saying that, please tell me. But we, you know, we didn't want to lose. And if we could try and nick it with Ward, and then we're going to try and maximise Blackpool and Huddersfield. Do you think that's where his his head is? Um, possibly. I'm possibly thinking he's maybe looking at it and maybe he thought that um, that obviously Gale and Campbell would be better suited to playing against Hull. Um, and the formation landed itself to to Smallbone maybe playing. And then maybe he looked at Huddersfield and thought Selena's better. You know, he's, been, he's probably mapped out the next week because he's a very thorough manager. We've seen that, haven't we? And he's probably mapped out who's going to be playing ideally as long as everyone stays fit and is is, is uh, not sort of overtired or whatever. That you know, he'll, he'll say, well, I'll have this 11 in this formation here and then on Wednesday night I'll be playing this team and then on Saturday at Blackpool I'll be playing this side. So maybe it's a case of Baker and Selena will both be coming in on Wednesday night. Um, I mean, well, if it was the other way around, if they'd have played like yesterday and we'd won, and not saying that they would have made the difference and we'd have won, but then if they come Wednesday night and then they both get dropped after that win, because that was always the plan to keep to keep people fresh, people would have been complaining then as well, wouldn't they? So you you can't sort of win either way in that situation, I think. Well, one of the things that we, I think we all thought he was going to do was play, you know, four four two, four three three, basically going four at the back, regardless of what he did with the midfield. So Sterling obviously went on the left. Hoover went on the right. Um, I mean, how did you think both of them did in those positions? Because again, obviously the, the the switching sides. I've not got I've not got an issue with Sterling being on the left as such, but obviously he's a, he's a right footer. So why did we not just go four at the back? Um. Yeah, that did surprise me. I was expecting um, probably Sterling right back, uh, Fox left back. Maybe uh, the only thing I can think there is, does he maybe not trust Jagielka in a two-man defence? Um, maybe not, does he not think he's not got the legs to play as a two-man defence and needs, the, obviously, the three centre-halves. He's got Fox and Wilmot both there to cover and and sort of you know reduce the amount of running and whatever he does. And also, obviously, allows us to um, to sort of you know obviously control the ball at the back, knock it around, and then obviously let the wing backs get forward. Um, that's that's my only thinking there. That, that that's my theory anyway. I'm not sure whether he feels Jagielka can do a job in a three, but can he can he still do the job as, as a two man uh, centre back pairing? Um, he's probably waiting for Twanzibi to get fit or even Conor Taylor to come in. Um, I think if you had like Taylor and Wilmot, he'd probably do a back, uh, you know, a, a, a centre half pair. Um, but a bit like a rocking horse poo, the left-footed <laughs> centre halves. I mean, we've got we've been linked with Lowe's, We brought ones in, uh, and still Morgan Fox is the only one that seems to be in existence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think Axel, I, I feel, will be back. I think he'll be in the team. Um, and obviously a, a couple of days I, I think that's why he's been rested I'd say the same for Pearson we'll come back to him uh, shortly I mean what did you think to obviously uh, Sarkic did you again people were calling him out a little bit maybe for you know the, the kind of European style of goalkeeping punching the ball when he should be catching it and stuff like that did, did you make much of him I know he got man of the match which even the manager was like how the hell did he get man of the match yeah. so uh, what, what was your thoughts on him there was one thing second half he came out and that to um he came about 
15 yards out of his goal and had to just sort of get his hands to the ball first. It was like a, a through ball and he did that well and then we managed to clear that away. Um, but actually, when he got man of the match, I sort of said to the, to, to the, the lad I was with, I was like, hang on a minute. So I don't think he's touched the ball second half other than with his feet for his possession. Um, he made one good save first half um, from S2 Pinan where he he sort of run he'd sort of gone on a bit of a run from the halfway line and you know gave this left footed shot from about thirty yards that um, the lad have also said like is he if that's Bonham he he felt that was going to be nestling in the bottom corner but yeah Sarkic just chucked himself to his left and just got two hands on it and palmed it round the post um, fair enough he comes for his crosses and punches don't care how, don't care what he does as long as he doesn't end up in the back of the net he can catch it punch it do whatever he wants as long as it's effective that's up to him <laughs> uh, yeah as long as it's effective I think that's the thing though mate how many times have we seen it on TV in the Premier League in Championship whatever where a goalkeeper has the chance to catch it punches it punches it to, a def- to another opposing striker and they've gone on and scored I think if if that scenario happens it needs to be nipped in the bud but I think I just I don't know I think some keepers just are are built that way and I'm not sure why as I said it maybe it's a European thing I, I, I don't know but um, that's the one thing that is a real bugbear for me with goalkeepers if you can catch it bloody catch it I think maybe sometimes it's percentage wise the, the chances of an error are maybe higher trying to come and catch it catch it spill it if you, if you try and claim a ball and catch it and then you drop it or you spill it you don't catch it correctly you're literally going to place the ball right in the mixer are you right in the danger zone because you're going to drop it at your feet or just in front of you you're probably going to be what six eight ten yards out at the most so you're giving whereas i suppose if you punch it even if you get a you know the greatest connection you're probably going to get it to the edge of the box at least then once your goalkeeper's done that it's up to your uh, a lot of the time it's up to the defenders and the rest of the team who are in defending mode at that point to to be alert and make sure they win that second ball. Yeah, I thought he had, he had a good game. Like I say, he's a different goalkeeper to what we've been used to. Um, but just, you just got to get used to it. That, that's the way he plays. Kept a clean yeah. sheet. Made, made the one... The, he, he was alert. That's what I, like. I noticed. He's very alert. And he's 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 very like... You know, if, the, if the ball's there... He, 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 once as soon as the ball's played, he's on. He's onto it. He's coming out of his goal. He's sweeping up and that, and he he knows what's going on at all times. There's no sort of switching off with him at all by the looks of it, which is a good trait to have as a goalkeeper. And another thing I wanted to bring up as well, and I said a word I put a tweet out earlier on today, and it's probably the first time that I've seen, you know, unanimously people all agreeing on this one player. You know, who I'm going to mention, mate. Um, you know the the person who's just as useful as a chocolate teapot. Uh, his name's Nick Powell, and um, you know I I said this to you throughout, and I know you've been a big fan of his, John. You know who listens to the pod as well. You know he said the same thing. You know he's very pro Powell, and you know what? I'd say ninety five percent, if not hundred percent, of the fan base when they see a fit Nick Powell um, are one hundred percent behind him. But I would say we're close to one hundred percent of people who just want him gone, and I am very much one of them. It's really. I understand why we extended him. It was an easy decision. We were in a scenario where we didn't have money to spend. It was if we can get him fit and we, you know, we can get him in the team. Great. It's you know, it's an easy win. Um, I get why we did it. It was the right decision, I think, at the time. Now we need to get rid as soon as physically possible. When this contract is done, this automatic one-year extension, 
get him gone. He's a waste of a wage. I don't even want him on a pay-as-you-play because he won't ever play anyway. He's a waste of a squad space, mate. I am fed up to the back teeth of seeing, it, seeing him because he comes in, he does one or two good games, and then he gets injured. And that's if you can get one or two good games out of him. If you had any, I don't know, if he had his head screwed on, he'd either A, retire, or he would go away for a while, get himself 100% fit, go and train with Kids Grove Athletic or whatever you want, don't take a bloody contract elsewhere. Get yourself fit, get yourself sorted, and go and find yourself another club after that. Because I'm literally now, mate, I couldn't care less. That I, I'm, I'm, I am at that point now. I'm sick of hearing about him. I'm sick of talking about him. Um, he needs to go as soon as possible. Okay. Um... Well, I think I've made it quite clear <laughs> what my thoughts are there. And mate, no one at all disagreed on Twitter today. I, no one. I haven't been on there to disagree with you. Um, go on, then disagree, because I'd love to see what your justification for, for keeping him as a wage in a squad place is. I'd, I'd keep it, I'd, he's, play, he's played full seasons before. He has played at Stoke. He played... 1995? No, I think it was just a couple of years ago. And, you know, he played near enough the full season. Um, and I think the key was that he got the pre-season in. He got the full pre-season in, and it, it didn't affect... Um, and he managed to get himself, you know, he was fully fit going into the season. He'd done all the all the prep work, and there he was, and you know, and he was fit first game of the season. And he managed to play near enough the whole, I think, pretty much the whole season. Um, I think that was the season that Nathan Jones was here, and obviously Michael O'Neill took over in the November. And he was a key player then. He was top scorer, and I think that's what you've got to do. You've got to get. You've got. It's pre-season. That's the key with him. When he doesn't, when he doesn't have a pre-season, that's when he struggles to stay fit throughout the season. Um, but when he manages to get one, and maybe they need to do something with his contract, there maybe they need to say, you know, we are willing to give you this contract, but you need to stay fit and be ready to be fit uh, come the you know August, whatever, when the first game is. If he misses, so- if he misses two weeks of pre-season, then Stoke can turn around and say, you know what, we've been here before. We don't feel it's a risk we're going to take, or they reduce the terms. Um, I wouldn't be, I, I, by all means, I think as good a player as he is, I love to see him when he does play. I think he's, you know, yeah, he's still enough. one of the most talented players in this division when he's fit. It, Undoubtedly. It's yeah. frustrating when he's not there. I think he will probably know at this point that he's not going to get, nobody's going to give him a, 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 you know, a deal where he's earning the kind of money he's currently earning. Or, you know, he's very, he'd be very lucky to find that. Mate, well, you've been very much entitled to your opinion, just just as I am. So I wouldn't I wouldn't agree with you. But you know what? That's, that's the joy of football, isn't it? So that's fine. That's fine for me. Um, yeah, let, let, let's move on. Kind of looking ahead as well. So we had some fans' questions in, Dan, uh, which I wanted to uh, kind of run through. Uh, I picked out two in particular. Uh, so from uh, Sugar Ray Leonard as a Stokey, which is a great name, <laughs> and then uh, Blackbeard as well. We're going to start off with Blackbeard, actually. So, Dan, he asks, are we staying up with Neil in charge? I genuinely don't think that we're any better off now than we were four months ago. We may have brought in some half-decent players, but we've also let some half-decent ones go and are still looking clueless, possibly even more so in that department. So, Firstly, let's break that up a little bit. Firstly, are we staying up with Neil in charge? Yes or no? And do you think yes, we are better than we were? Okay, yeah, good. So, are we better than Not we were four months ago then? Yeah, I think it's it's a bit of a. I think we're on the journey. Put it that way. Um, we're, we're on the journey. We aren't. 
yet anywhere near the destination, are we? We're probably even just we haven't even filled. <laughs> we're the we're car running yet. on fumes, mate. We are running on fumes. Uh, you wait, we wait till we get the team news for this week. <laughs> this week, then you'll see what fumes we're running on. We're not, we're not better than where we were four months ago, but I think it may be a case of where sometimes you have to take another dip before you can come back up again. Um, I st- the manager still got my. I've still got confidence in him that he is the right man. I think he will turn it, turn us around, and we will get to where we want to be with him. Um, I think we just need to give him patience. I think he is quite tactically fluid. I think um, in that you know I don't think he's one dimensional. There was there was something the other day. I think I think he demands a lot of respect from his players in terms of how they approach how they. Um, you know they've got to maintain their fitness. They've got to be professional, I think. And he, you know it takes time to drill that into a squad. Um, and I think he's gone the right way. I mean, let, let's face it; it's two big signings in January with Twanzebe and Pearson, and those those two signings there could could easily transform this side straight away. I don't think I'd probably uh, pick fault in Blackbeard on, on on the comment, mate. And not not at fault, but because you know you're very much entitled to your opinion. But for me. I don't think we did let a lot of good players go. I, I really don't think that. Um, yeah, Harry Suter, of course, you, you know he's a good player. We had to let him go, but I can't really say I was overly fussed about the rest. I mean, Fosu. I think I've already said. Yeah, you know, I, I would have definitely kept Fosu if I'm honest with you. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't really care less about the rest of them going. Um, so, yeah, I mean that. Again, I, I, I think we aren't any worse off in personnel. I agree with you in the fact that I think Ben Pearson will be a good signing, mate. Uh, don't don't think it's going to be an issue at all with Ben Pearson coming in. Um, Twanzibi, I've not really seen him. I can't really comment, just like most Stoke fans, really. Uh, we've not really ever seen him play. He's been out for six months. So, um, jury is very much still out. Uh, Alex Neal as a manager. Um, again, jury is probably still a little bit out for me at the minute. I've not seen him with his team, with his formation. I do pick fault in the way that he's still sticky with fullbacks when we don't have fullbacks. Um, we also equally don't have wingers um, either, so uh, maybe four four two isn't an option. But yeah, I think the best thing that could happen this season is if somebody just blew full time in it now, to be honest, and we just moved on. Um, but anyway, um, speaking of moving on, Sugar Ray Leonard is a Stokey Dan. Um, Oz also asked. So looking at the current league table. How many points do you think we need for safety? In the last few years, 22nd has gone down as a high on 48 points and as a low on 37. If we need around the 48 points, we're in trouble. Would you agree with that? Yeah, so I think we... I, I still think there's wins in this side. Uh, take yesterday, for example. I know we're sort of moving on from that game now. But towards the end there... Um, I mean, we've often we've fought. Maybe we 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 started slinging the ball into the box too much. You know, we haven't got the right players in to be putting them balls. The defenders are going to eat up. You know, we haven't got a very tall side as it is. So maybe the, you know we needed a bit more patience and you know creativity to to, to create chances there and and patience. But one chance we did get was towards the end. Powell edge of the six yard box back to goal. Defenders pinned on his back. Goalkeeper stood right behind the defender on the near post because the cross has come in. What Powell's tried to back heel, the keeper saved it low. That goes in, fantastic. What he should have done was was just laid that ball off to Tezgel, who got himself into space, 
seven or eight yards off him and literally just wanted the ball rolling in anywhere near him and he could have side-footed it. He had three quarters of the goal to aim at open with no keeper there. If he does that, 85th minute, and we win 1-0, are people then talking about, oh, we're going to go down relegated? Because that, you mean, I think there'll be enough games where something like that will happen and we'll win enough games. We'll stay up quite comfortably, in my opinion. Um, we we create enough chances and I think we just need to be a bit more clever in that final third and around the penalty box to score the goals to keep us up. I've gone through the last 12 years. So the last 12 years, um, the least amount of points needed, the least amount of points got by the team who finished 22nd. So you imagine mm-hmm. you've got to be one point better off than this team to stay up, okay? So the least was last season, actually, when it was just 37 points. So you would have stayed up last season with 38. So the most, 2012-13, so you needed 55 to stay up, okay? Now, the average points you need to stay up is 43. So I don't think there's any danger whatsoever of us finishing under 43. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you in in the sense that I think we'll... Well, we should hit the low relatively okay in the end i wouldn't at the same time say that um it's going to be an easy out Uh, yeah i mean 37 we only need 38 points to stay up then um easy (laughs) to be honest but at the same time i think we're only fortunate that we've got you know i don't know look at the teams who are around there you've got blackpool bottom of the league they'll probably go down huddersfield look completely void of any confidence so they will go down and then it's uh I mean, Cardiff, so you've got Cardiff and Wigan there. So it's, I think we're better than those. I don't think we'll stay up because we're a great team. We'll stay up because there are three worst teams. Um, and I wish I could I wish I could say else, but kind of looking, obviously, at Huddersfield this weekend, Dan, it's a team very much void of confidence, mate, you know, and quality, actually. I mean, they, they really aren't good. You know, they've just lost away to Wigan. I mean, that was a big, big game for them uh, for obvious reasons. And um, they're having a really bad time of it. Now, I, I said this the other day, Hull, Huddersfield and Blackpool were three huge games for us. If we come away with, well, as we know now, Hull was a, a nil-nil. I wanted three wins and that would have definitely got us safe. But we cannot lose to Huddersfield. We cannot lose to Blackpool under any circumstances. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. As far as our stats go for Huddersfield, is it a positive? I mean, I assume we probably are on the the winning side more than we're on the losing side versus Huddersfield? Um, yes, not majorly, but we are there. Um, so 81 um, previous matches, 31 wins, 27 draws, 23 defeats. 
Uh, at home, we do quite well against them. So we've got 40 games at home, 19 wins, 14 draws, 7 defeats. Um, we've won four out of the last five at home, including the last two. Interestingly, both teams have scored. Both teams have scored in four of the last six Huddersfield games. Yet, only once in Stoke's last six games have both teams scored. If you go on to um, Huddersfield, so I mean, their away form—they're actually twenty-fourth in the away table, so stone bottom of the league away from home. Only got ten points from fifteen games. Their two away wins this season were QPR in November and Preston on Boxing Day. Both matches they went one nil up and came back to win two, uh, one nil down. Sorry, and came back to win two one. So how weird that the two away victories they've got both came from behind. It is a battle of two teams who uh, are a bit struggling because um, obviously I've just said Huddersfield got the worst away form in the league. Stokes home forms twenty first out of twenty four, sixteen points from fifteen games, so not great at all. Uh, last six matches, we are 19th with four points. Huddersfield are 21st with three points. So both teams really are probably, you can class as out of form. Um, some other home stats. So we failed to score in seven out of 15 home league games this season, which is in the last 25 years, we've only failed to score in more than seven games in a season in three years. So 18-19, we failed to score eight times. 2005-06 under Boskamp, we failed to score in nine home games. And 2004-2005, when we was the binary season, when every game ended 1-0, um, we failed to score in 10 league games. So you think, we've got seven already. There's eight home games left yet this season. Those records seriously must be under threat. Um, we need to start get scoring. I mean, that, that sort of proves to you where the problem is, that we're not scoring any goals. Um, the flip side, though, quite strangely, is we've only conceded two or more on six occasions. So, in the last three, in three of the last five seasons, that's been double figures. So, we're not conceding more than one goal, but we're not scoring. So, it's like we are losing too many games. One nil is the is the is what those stats that are put together. That's where he's leading me to. We're losing at home one nil consistently. Um, because we've only got four clean sheets, whereas the past four years we've got nine yeah. every year. If we do lose, then we'll stay on 34 points, which will be our worst total at this stage of a championship season since 2002-3, when we had 25 points but ended up on 50, thanks to a miraculous uh, Mark Crossley, Adi Akinbae, Tony Pulis um, resurrection from what seemed like certain return to League One, didn't it, at the first opportunity. Um, on the... On the individual records against Huddersfield, Tyrese Campbell has four goals in five games versus Huddersfield. Uh, Ty- uh, Jacob Brown has three in seven, and Dwight Gale has three in six. And one final stat, which is an interesting one that might surprise a few people Morgan Fox has played 2,105 minutes under Alex Neal, which is more than any other player in the squad. So behind him, you got Ben Wilmot on 2059 and Lewis Baker on 2057. Uh, I must admit, though, you've probably depressed a lot of people with them stats. And the fact that you bring up Dwight Gale and his scoring record is, is quite funny. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see if he ever gets a goal for us again. I mean, he can claim that one off his back and we'll let him because he's, he's you know, he does put a lot of effort in. But, um, 
yeah. I think our problem with goal scoring that you mentioned, mate, is down to creativity as opposed to disastrous strikers, to be honest. But, um, I mean, do you agree with me in the fact that this this game and obviously Blackpool, these are what you will define as must-win games? I mean, we, we can't really afford not to win this, can we? No, we've got to win this match, to be honest. Um, no offence to Huddersfield, but they are there for the taking. They're all over the place. They've got no manager. Oh. Unless, I mean, Nathan Jones has been sacked this morning, and no doubt he'll probably rock up in the away dugout on, on Wednesday. I know in our look um, and have them all fired up. But yeah, he, like I say, I think they're there for the sake. I mean, we're going to hear, aren't we, from uh, Huddersfield um, supporter in a minute, and I'm sure after listening to that, you'll you'll have a bit more optimism that we might be going, getting three points on Wednesday. Uh, they, like I say, they they really are struggling, and if we can't beat them at home right now, then there is going to be some uh, serious questions asked. Well, um, yeah, so the friends from uh, And He Takes That Chance podcast, uh, we've spoken to them uh, for the last couple of seasons, so it's always good to hear from them. Uh, let's have a quick listen to what they had to say, and then also we'll follow that up with Graham McGarry. Um, and unfortunately, we'll have an update on the table for predictions. So let's hear what they've got to say. Hi Dan, this is Matt from the Huddersfield Town podcast and he takes that chance. I'm currently at Blackpool Zoo uh, where I suppose the uh, the defensive organisation of uh, some of the apes here would be a lot better than Huddersfield Town at the minute. Uh, we're in a complete mess, disarray, issues on the field, off the field, players don't look up for the fight, ownership gone missing. Um, Huddersfield Town are sinking slowly and disappointedly towards League One. Um, in terms of the game on Wednesday, losing to Wigan yesterday and then drawing against Blackpool has made uh, the match at your place an absolute must-win. Uh, if we can't win there, uh, then things are going to start looking very bleak with the likes of Burnley away, Sheffield United on the horizon. So it's a huge, huge game for us. Um, hopefully, cast it, you know, we cast our minds back to uh, when Danny Cowley came in a couple of years ago and we came to... Stoking what was an absolutely horrendous game. I managed to sneak out a 1-0 and something similar to that would be amazing for us. But with the way the players are playing at the minute, with the lack of diligence on and off the field, or due diligence, um, I just can't see anything but a comprehensive Stoke win. Huddersfield Town are in a complete mess. Uh, they're a complete shambles. Uh, the players are not playing for the manager or whatever head coach they want to appoint next week. Um it's a complete mess, I'll be honest with you, mate. And the club's up for sale. Hopefully, by the summer, there's a new owner comes along and starts to reinvigorate uh, the football club because at the minute, it's a death by a thousand cuts. Um, cuts was almost a different word then for me, but it's definitely a, a slow death spiral that Huddersfield Town are in, and it's incredibly depressing, I'll be honest. Um, always liked you guys at Stoke, so all the best after the game, uh, but please let us win because we're absolutely desperate. So here we go again, you Potters predictors. How are you going on with your prediction of the Stoke City's games? They're very difficult this season, aren't they? That word inconsistency certainly keeps cropping up more or less every week. Well, a nil-nil draw against an informed Hull side. Probably wasn't the result most spectators wanted when they went to the bet 365. But at the end of the day, Stoke didn't lose the game. Now they're trying to build on that. And they play another of the sides who are desperate for points as well for other reasons because Huddersfield Town are themselves in a battle against relegation. They've quickly changed their manager and they're making changes behind the scenes. But Stoke have got to try and take advantage of that and get on the front foot from the 
kickoff time. Let's hope they can. Let's hope they can get three points. It's still a sticky time of the season for you Stoke City fans. Who knows what's going to happen? But I think you've got enough, and I also think you've got enough to win this particular next home game coming up against Huddersfield Town. Stoke City 1, Huddersfield Town 0. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. So, uh, yeah, Huddersfield aren't feeling too confident, Dan, uh, off off the back of that, way. Uh, so, not exactly surprising. I think their fans have really just had enough by the sounds of things. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't look too bad a couple of seasons ago, but they've they've really got off the boil. So, I'm not surprised that they're feeling a bit down. I don't anticipate they're going to bring many on Wednesday. Uh, they'll probably be finding some free streams, um, and yeah, let's just you know let it let him have his five minutes of fame. Graham McGarry's prediction: he had a nil-nil prediction on the last match. Um, I've been top all season with predictions. I'm no longer top, am I, Dan? You're not, Mr. McGarry. I mean, he went for the nil-nil, didn't he? And, and myself and you and Liam, and we all sort of said, "Oh, is that the best you can do, Graham? Come on." But he was bang on. He was right. He knew that we were going to misfire in front of goal. He knew that we would be slinging crosses in for 60 minutes with no one, no one winning them. He knew it was going to be goalless. And that is why he is now at the top of the prediction table with 38 points. Giving you my prediction right now, we are going to beat Huddersfield 2-0. We're going to have goals from Tyrese Campbell and Jacob Brown. A very comfortable 2 0 win, um, but I am going to 4 3 3. So, Sarkic obviously in goal, he's going to be in goal all season. Uh, right back, we've got Sterling, centre backs of Wilmot and Axel. I do think he's been um, getting him fit and giving him time. And then left back, obviously Morgan Fox, because nobody else, <laughs> I've got anyone else fit. Um, midfield three of Loren, Pearson, and Smallbone. And then the front three on the right is Tyrese Campbell because that's the main place he needs to play. In the middle is Jacob Brown. And then on the left, we're going to have Selena. Uh, I just think we can destroy Huddersfield by using pace. Pearson will, will obviously protect that defence. We've then got Loren and Smallbone to kind of control the midfield. Selena can drop into midfield when, when we're defending, which will leave us with Campbell and Brown up front. So I think we've got a bit of movement there. We've got pace. Most teams, when you've got pace, you've got a chance to win. So, I think that's what I would go for. No doubt he's going to stick the full-backs, though. Right, OK. I, I'm going to go 4-2-3-1. So, 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. Depends where small bone. Mm-hmm. He'll sort of drift between the midfield and the attack for me. Um, Sarkic in goal, same as yourself. Sterling, Jagielka, Wilmot Fox. Now, I'm taking it that Henry's not fit. Uh, he came off old in his hamstring... The manager said afterwards it was just tiredness. Whether that's just him bluffing it ready for Wednesday night, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm taking this with the fact that he's not available. And then if he is, obviously it'll probably all change. But the other one that obviously went off um, was that Powell might not be fit as well, mind to. They maybe picked up a knock. So I'm going to take it that those two are both out. So I've got Sarkic, Sterling, Jagielka, Wilmot, Fox. Baker and Loren are in front of the defence. Campbell uh, on the right, Selena on the left. Smallbone is sort of hovering mid- between midfield and attack. And Jacob Brown's going to be pressing and leading the line up front. Um, Brown obviously didn't start. Selena didn't start. Baker didn't start. So they should be fresh. I think that's why they didn't play. I think he's going to rotate and bring them in. 
Um, I think Loren and Smallbone both had very good games, and I do think that's why. I think there's two reasons why that maybe Baker and Selena didn't come on till so late the other day. I think one, he didn't want to use them because he had Wednesday nights in mind, and actually towards the end, the last twenty minutes or so, we were. Pity we had Hull pinned back that last half an hour. They didn't get out there half. No, we didn't create many chances. We weren't, you know, testing the keeper every five ten minutes. But we were testing the centre halves. We were testing the defenders. We were, you know, we were putting balls in. And Loren was, you know, Loren was charging forward and bossing midfield and, uh, you know, impressing and and winning ball the ball back. You know, popping up on the wing and helping out. And he was really, you know, he wouldn't have took him off at that point. Uh, and also Smallbone ran himself into the ground as well and he was dictating play and obviously got man of the match with us so I think that's why they stayed on if either of them re- it could just be because I think they both hit the wall together with about two or three minutes ago and that's why he brought them off if it is that they're not going to be they haven't got the legs to play on Wednesday night then by all means Thompson can still play for one of them uh, because I think he didn't do as much running as those two but those two obviously seem to be you know quite Quite the energy, we're providing the energy in the midfield at the weekend. Um, do you know what? This is my bench, right? So these are the only players we've got sort of semi available. So you've got Tezgal, Makari, Akagbu, Bonham, Thompson, Gale, and I'm going to have to stick Nathan Lowe on there. Unless we've got um, some people coming back from injury, that's what the bench may well look like. Okay, so yeah, I think we're we're a bit um a bit light when it comes to players, as you've rightly pointed out uh, a couple of times. So hardly surprising. And back to back clean sheets and uh, nice comfortable win. If we don't, oh, I'm going to stay off Twitter. I think <laughs> if, I, don't, I don't think there's it. I mean, you could be a man of the match poll if you want, but I'm staying well away from it. So, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, I think tactically. Like I say, I think they're a bit all over the place at the minute, aren't we? As long as we're yep. professional, we should we should be able to win this game. Um, do you want to know you about the ref before we finish? Yeah, go for it. So James Linnington's the referee. 22 games a season, 87 yellows, three reds. He's given six penalties. All three reds, by the way, have been straight red cards, so none for two bookings. Um, he's given four red cards, though, in his... Four penalties, sorry, in his last six championship games. Um, he's ref Stoke once this season, which was the 2-0 home defeat to Coventry in October. Now, you may remember that when we did that preview, I said he'd sent three Stoke players off previously. And there was the Tom Edwards and Bruno Martins ending away at Swansea a couple of years ago. And then Harry Souter at home to Preston. And I think we sort of looked at those clips, didn't we? We thought none were like massively like terrible decisions and that you can sort of see why he'd given them all. Uh, but it was interesting that after that Preston game in 2021, he didn't ref Stoke for like nearly two years until we played that Coventry game. So obviously something was, um, maybe he was kept away from Stoke after, say, three quick red cards, one after another. Um, so yeah, so he's only he's ref Stoke seven times overall. Uh, like I say, eight yellows, three reds. Um, and we've got two wins, two draws and three defeats with him. At home, we have a win, a draw and a defeat. Uh, Huddersfield, he's ref them a massive 15 times. He's given one red card for, one red card against in that. No penalties in any of them games. Uh, they've got five wins, five wins, three draws, and seven defeats. 
uh, whilst away from home, they've won once with him and lost five in the six away games that he's taken charge of them. Uh, and one little interesting fact as well is that he lives on the Isle of Wight. So every game is an away game for him. Right, OK. I think we should wrap up and leave it there before it becomes a ridiculously long pod. So thank you to everybody who's been listening. Uh, Dan, thank you for joining as always. Uh, so yeah, we'll be back on Friday as, as always, of course, talking about a uh, an amazing victory versus Huddersfield uh, promotion party buzz back on, <coughs> and um, also then of course we'll be looking forward to Blackpool with a, a full away following. So uh, let's have a couple of wins now, please, Stoke. Let's just go out on a high for once. Thank please. you, everybody. We'll see you all on Friday. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.